Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Right. Now we turn our attention to our feature, Faith of Our Leaders. And uh, this time around, we're talking to the leader of the African Christian Democratic Party. This is Reverend Kenneth Mishos, leader of the African Christian Democratic Party, talking to us about his faith. Again, a kind reminder that we're talking about his faith, not necessarily the political party. I do understand that there is a coincision there. They will coincide at some point, and our questions will reflect that coincision. However, our focus is on his faith as a reverend and the person of faith. And then perhaps we might touch on some of the things that he has decided and acted on as a reverend. As soon as we're connected or able to connect to the reverend, we'll give you that conversation. But as a reminder that we do try and give you the open line and we'll give you the open line as soon as we can so that you can reflect on whatever religious matter is up on your head. would love to hear it. Let's engage and let's talk about these things. We'll try and do that as soon as we can. Perhaps run out 15 minutes before to give you that time to reflect. That'll be the open line. Just a reminder, the open line is not meant to talk about anything. It is anything religious, not just anything, but anything on your faith pertaining to issues on facts and ideas of faith. So I do wish that we do understand the, the context of our open line. It's not like any other open line on the radio station. When you go through to our shows, you'll find the open line being open to anything at all. But our open line is restricted to religious matter and faith matter and, well, just the content around our faith. So we don't find ourselves doubling in other issues that have absolutely nothing to do with faith. I do understand that politics will coincide with faith. Culture will coincide with faith. Philosophy will coincide with faith. If you do find those incidents where there is that coincidence, then continue and let us have that um, open line. But let's come back to our conversation as planned with uh, the Reverend Dimitri. Do we have the Reverend on the line? Reverend Dimitri, good evening to you and welcome. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Reverend Dimitri? Yes, good evening to you, Reverend. Yes. Do tell us, Reverend, when when we're talking about you and your faith, we're talking about a person who's already declared by his title, you're a reverend. We do now know that you're a person of faith, and we would like to know which church you subscribe your faith to. The church that describes my faith best is the Apostolic Faith Mission, AFM Church of South Africa. And Assemblies of God also, that's my faith. Um, It's churches that do not only be, that are not only evangelical, but churches that are charismatic, uh, that understand that uh, you have to be a person that has an interest in spiritual things. But it is a person that understands that God loves a person as a whole. Yeah. He does not only love their spirits. Where, where, because 
which, which church gave you your credentials as a reverend there, Reverend Mishwe? I <clears throat> did theology in America. When I went to study theology in America, I was a member of the ASM Church, the Apostolic Faith Mission of Sabbath. So things changed when I felt a calling into politics. Now, I belonged to the same denomination that the respected Reverend Chikani belongs to. You know that he was traumatized, criticized, and in some cases even persecuted because of his belief in being involved in political issues. So I have to timely request to be relieved from my position in order to be part of the International Fellowship of Christian Churches, IFCC, that was led by leaders that included uh, Pastor Ray McCauley. So I had to part ways with the AFM Church so that I could follow my political calling. All right. And when, when did you first have contact with your spiritual side? When did you start believing? Well, my, my parents, their parents belonged to the Reform Church. So from a very old age, I attended that Reform Church. It was also conveniently very close to where I stayed. So that's where we went to church. And then 1971, I went to the Eastern Transvaal uh, to do my matric in a boarding school. While we were at boarding school, obviously we had SEM gathering, student Christian movement. And then we had a a conference. You know, those days, schools were encouraged to develop students also in their spirituality. Then in this conference, student conference, that was organized by the school itself, and we had a guest speaker from what was then a Dorothea mission from uh, Pretoria. And that guest speaker started presenting Christ in a way that I could understand. He elaborated on the importance of why people should be born again. And uh, he made a call that those who want to start living right, according to scriptures, those who wanted to give their lives to Jesus, should come for prayer. And I responded, he prayed for us, prayed for me, and uh, I decided to follow Christ from 1971. It was the month of May when that happened, and I've never looked back since then. 
Did you hear the voice of God calling you when that call, was, altar call was made? Well, one cannot say an audible voice, but there is an inner voice. When, when, when he made the appeal or the altar call, what was to me wonderful and very different from what I used to hear in my former church was that he presented the love of Christ in such a way that when he said those who want to respond to the invitation to love Christ, receive Christ as Christ loves you, I felt like I would be a fool to reject such a love. It was the way he presented the simplicity of the gospel that won my heart. And when I said, Lord, I would fool if I would reject responding to a call of love, a person who loved me so much, a person who suffered so much for me, I said, well, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to do your will. And the one thing led to the other. If, if you were responding to how well the love of God was presented to you, why would you not respond to the person? Why do you respond by saying, God, you, and yet God has never said anything to you? Well, when, when one responds to the love of God, it is not possible, as far as I'm concerned, to say, I want you, you love, but I don't want you. If you respond to his love, you respond to him. But he never said him, that. There will be no love. If God never spoke to you, Reverend, why would you think that's what he said? That's what people said about him, but he never called you. He never said anything to you. He never spoke to you. You yourself have just admitted now that you've never heard any voice whatsoever. You're calling it the inner voice, and yet there is no such thing as the inner voice in truth. Whatever people call the inner voice is whatever has been cultivated and acculturated in them, isn't it, Reverend? You know, if people expect God to speak in a loud, audible voice only, they would be limiting him. He has many ways of speaking. Sometimes even when you read the Bible, there would be some passages that would come with a much clearer meaning than the others. And then you just have this inner when, when you read the Bible the there, Reverend, do you find anyone saying, I had an inner voice? Or do they all claim to have heard a loud voice, an audible voice? Do you find anywhere in your scriptures where somebody heard an inner voice? Well, although the focus is not on inner or outer, the focus is on hearing the voice of God. There's How always been one, one hearing of the voice in the Bible there, Reverend. Everyone in the Bible claims to have heard the outer voice. Even those unbelieving Israelites, when they wanted to hear from God, they heard audibly. It was not an inner voice. It was an audible outer voice. So my question is, does, is, is there anywhere in your scriptures where there has ever been anything other than an outer voice calling anybody for that matter? You know, when the Bible speaks about, for example, in the early church, that after Peter, Peter preached the word, yes, uh, people believed in what Peter was saying. It doesn't say those people heard an outer voice, yes, on audible. Believed. 
But this man, what he's saying is the truth. This Jesus Christ who loves me, I must do something about responding to his love. I must receive it. Yes. So that is an experience that I had. And obviously, if people say, I only want to hear an audible voice of God, it is them, and according to their faith, it will be done unto them. Yeah, they, 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 they hear what Peter is saying. And they respond to what Peter is saying. Peter knows he has walked and lived with God or Jesus or Yeshua. He has heard an audible voice. Now my question is, to any and everyone who claims to have heard the voice of God, all the time that voice of God has always been an outer voice. The people in the upper room never claim to have heard an inner voice. The people who are listening to Peter never claim to have heard an inner voice. They've heard the voice of Peter, never claim to be hearing the voice of God. I'm really asking to get an understanding of the people who claim they have heard from God. Is that really God? Is it just our own ideas? Naye, yes, yes, Naye, um, one cannot uh, argue people's experience against people's experiences. Okay? If somebody says, I hate the Lord speak to me, for me, the important question is not how did he speak to you? Did, was it an audible or inner voice? There is an inner voice. Okay, something like a conscience, for example. Something that causes a person to know what I'm doing is not right. A uh, person is doing something wrong, and then suddenly he's saying, I appreciate the I conscience, Reverend. And not wrong. My question was not even about your experiences. My question was, do you have any example? That's what you did, and I respect your experiences there, Reverend. My question was, do you have any example in the Bible of anyone doing what you say you have done? Anyone who claims to have heard the voice, an audible, and an inner voice. Because in the scripture, it's always an audible voice or a visible sign. It's never inner. It's never perceptual. It is always actual. So my I, question I, was, I, in the scriptures, do you have an example like that? All right. I made an example of Peter preaching the gospel and people responding, believing in Christ and becoming followers of Jesus. It does not say they all had an audible voice. The Bible doesn't say that. So it is incorrect. Yeah, they never claimed that. Those no, people never claimed to have heard the voice of God. You did. They people never no. said that we heard no. the voice of okay. God. Okay. All right. Now listen, maybe let me simplify what I'm saying. Okay. When a person hears the gospel, for me, when I hear something that touches me, because I believe the word of God is the voice of God. Okay? God does speak to people through his word. Okay. And so when I hear something that speaks to me from the word of God, I take it, I believe it, and thousands, if not millions of Christians, those who are believers who have given their lives to Jesus, they would say, the Lord spoke to me. I, when that word was preached, I felt the Lord speaking to me. Okay? Okay. They might not use the word inner voice, but they would say, I heard the Lord speaking to me. What causes uh, people to hear the gospel and respond accordingly? People do hear the gospel and they say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. What did they hear? What makes them say that? It might not be an inner voice they are hearing, but it is believing what they are hearing. And so for me, it is semantics to, to try to separate uh, hearing an inner voice and believing the way that you are hearing. All right. To me, it's one of the same things. Okay, I'll, I'll respect that you're saying to you that's why it is, and I will not go in further as far as that is concerned. Let's move on to now you moving into politics. Were you called by God to move into politics as a reverend? 
it is a similar thing that we are discussing now, that you read the scripture, then you hear, you know, Jeremiah explains uh, sometimes what people go through when they hear the word of God that they have to respond to. He says, Jeremiah says, his word like, was like fire in my bones. You read the Bible. And for me, to get you to follow this, it was what I saw in the scriptures, what I read in the scriptures. Because prior to that, I used to preach and speak against Christian involvement in politics. I used to think you cannot be because of what I was taught and because of what some churches are still teaching today, that politics is full of crooks, is full of liars, is full (laughs) of... uh, the selfish people, if you don't want to be a liar, yes. if you don't want to be a thief, don't associate with those guys. But I have learned that if you are responding to what you believe said to you, that the Lord said to you, yes. then you are able to be among the thieves without being a thief. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm working among corrupt people and I'm not corrupt. All right? I'm working among people and with people who are unfaithful to their wives. I've been faithful to my wife for 46 years. Okay, it's a choice that an individual makes. Yeah. So I discovered from the scriptures, it is all a choice. For you to do wrong, Naye, it's a choice. Yeah, yeah. I am a married man. If I can say, I'm not going to sleep at home, I'm going to sleep out today. There is no angel that will come and tell me, hey, what are you trying to do? What are you doing wrong? <laughs> I know, I will know within me that, hey, you can't do this. Yeah. Wrong. So am I understanding you well? Even with your, your call to politics, you did not hear God saying that. You simply read a scripture and that said something to you. It spoke to you in some way. Okay. Now, when I read the scriptures, I, 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 I concluded that God was speaking to me okay. through his word. Okay. All right. All right. And then we're, we're finding the African Christian uh, uh, Democratic Party. And, and I've asked you this question before and I'm asking you now. On your personal capacity now, not just as a political leader, but as a person who is a, a believer. The ACDP is named the African Christian Democratic Party, but it doesn't enjoy the support of African Christians who are democratic. Why? Is it possible that perhaps God may not have called you? Is it possible that perhaps though you may have read the scriptures and believed that God wants you to get into politics and start a political party, but People don't follow. South Africans have over 75% people identifying themselves as Christians, but they don't follow this political party. Is it possible that perhaps God may not have called you for that? That, the calling has nothing to do with numbers. Calling has nothing to do with numbers. You know that you have many churches in South Africa, and some churches are born out of other churches. So the question is, why are there so many churches? Why would Christians move from this church to another church? Again, it boils down to choice. Even though many people who call themselves Christians or call, they follow the Christian faith in South Africa, they still have a choice. If they say, I've been in the struggle, I love Dr. Mandela, even though I'm a Christian, I love him, I'm going to, to serve him, um, or I'm going to follow him and his party the rest of my life, it's a choice. And that is a wonderful thing even about the Christian faith. Here's Christian th- faith is about choice. Yeah. Let me say this. Yeah, it's about choice. Yeah. And one of the best scriptures, for as long as uh, my understanding of scripture, 
that shows that God is giving human beings choices. Is John three sixteen? Yeah. In John three three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever will believe, whosoever will, so whosoever will shows and 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 shows and proves that God is giving you a choice. If He says, "Whosoever," or "Whosoever believes," yes, has eternal life. Whosoever, so you are you have a choice to believe and you have a choice not to believe. So even Christians still have a choice to obey God and not or not to obey God. You know that there are many uh, Christian leaders and pastors who are very controversial. You are aware of that. Yes. Very controversial. Okay? They do things that where they come from were not done. So mm. now that they are independent, they are exercising their, their choices. Let me follow let your... Me, okay. Let me, let me follow your train to, of thought uh, there, Reverend. Um, you're, you're giving us an example of these scriptural uh, incidents, and I'd love to pick on one of them. For example, the Christ that Christians claim to be following never instituted any of these denominations that you're now saying are the subject of human choice. At no point do you find Peter suggesting that there should be a multiplicity of denominations to afford people their right to choice. Paul, as one of the people who has written over the half of the New Testament, does not seem to be suggesting that there should ever be denominations. Quite frankly, we don't have any evidence of them being part of any denomination. We don't find it in Scripture that there are denominations. This liberty of choice, choosing from denomination to another, is an extra-scriptural suggestion and I'm trying to understand why. Why would Christians ever even cite that as a form of Christianity? And yet there is no sign in the Bible of denominationalism. Quite frankly, all of these Bible writers only point to one God and one way of worship. Where, where do you find it that you are entitled to have a multiplicity of things to choose from? You know, um, Paul visited some churches. Yes. Uh, he would visit the church in Corinth, for example, or in Ephesus. Yes. And then he would find things that need correction. Okay? Yes. Now, whenever you correct people, those who don't agree with your correction will move on. So that is, that's what happens in life. Those who don't want to accept correction, don't, those who want to, don't want to be corrected, leadership deals with them. The Bible says, okay, if you see your brother sin, talk to him privately. If he doesn't listen, take somebody with you to talk to him, to try and correct him. If he does not listen, one more time, okay, and finally, if he refuses, he's stubborn, he's adamant in his ways, then you can expel or excommunicate that person. So if that person is communicated, that person still has choices. His choice is either I go to another group of people, another church, in, in uh, another place, or I do my own thing. We know that there are people who, who did their own thing, and they started, and when you look at where it started, some of them is because they were disciplined, and they did not want to accept discipline. I agree with you. Their own thing. That, 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 mm. that, that's shown in the history of all these churches, and I agree with you there, Reverend. But those people are deviant, and they are wrong as far as your scriptures are concerned, isn't it? Because your scriptures, when, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he tells them about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Why, why would you allow deviant behavior to be the norm? If Paul, writing to the Ephesians, and that's another church in Ephesus, by the way, he clinically points out that there should be one, 
one church, one faith, one body, one baptism, one Lord. Why, why would you then uphold more than just one? You would be surprised to, to know that uh, many of these different denominations, they would agree with you, we all save one God. It's not many gods. It's one God. One God, they say, um, this God that we serve, in serving him, we want to have a certain kind of uniform. And other people say, no, we don't need a uniform. And then people fight over a uniform, and then they split. Okay? But it's so, not just the uniform it, it, there, 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 Reverend, and there are other things that are pointed out by Paul you know, to, when he's talking to the Ephesians there. He talks about one baptism. There should be one baptism, and yet there are so many forms of baptism that we have seen throughout the denominational practices. Again, I'm asking, why would you advocate for a freedom of choice, and yet your scriptures only give you one? One baptism, and yet other put, others put crosses on the head, others sprinkle, others dip people seven times into the ocean, others maintain it has to be the river. All sorts of baptisms that have absolutely nothing to do with the scriptures. Many choices, and yet your Bible, Paul, which you have told, spoken about, writing to one of the churches in the scripture in Ephesus, says one baptism. Why would you advocate for choices, and yet you know? Your scriptures don't advocate for those choices. Your scriptures only give you one choice. You know, you, there are a number of people that will say, I hear what you are saying. I see what the Bible says, but. Ah, <laughs> okay. So, what do you do? <laughs> I'm asking I, you I now, I reference. I believe in one Lord, yeah. but I have a choice. This is what I believe. That's why I, that, this is the way I want to do it. Because of choice that God has given people. Yeah, I understand. There's not much you can do about it. Yeah, what about you, Reverend? I understand that what that, that's what other people would say. But tonight, I'm talking to you, and you're the one who says there is choice. And I'm trying to understand your faith that affords you choice. Where do you get it from that you have the choice, and yet your scriptures only give you one? No, on the issue of one baptism, we all agree. We all agree. But now, here's something interesting. Yes. I gave an example of a apostolic faith mission yes. and also of uh, Assemblies of God. All right? Yes. Now, in apostolic faith, okay, they both agree. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right? But then, how you apply that? Baptizing in the name is one baptism. Okay? Uh, Naye, you come to, to one church, they say to you, okay, Naye, you believe? In Jesus Christ, you want to be baptized? Yes, I want to be baptized. And then they dip you into water three times. Yes. In the name of the Father, they take you out. Yes. Of the Son, they take you out. Of the Holy Spirit, they take you out. Then you go to Assemblies of God. Yes. They say, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they want to put you in water one time. Yes. Yes. So how do you falter them? Because they, it's the same one baptism. No, 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 Reverend. No, <laughs> no. Baptism, according to your doctrines as Christians, is a watery grave. That's you dying to Christ. That's you dying and being born again, according to your 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 your, your, your beliefs, your doctrine as Christians. So you can't you don't die and be seven times or three times. <laughs> You're not born seven times or three times. You are born once. There is no nowhere in your scriptures where people are born many times. Well, 
you have to you have to get somebody from the apostles' <laughs> faith mission to answer that one. Are you saying Jesus died three times? No, but from what I know, there is the explanation is, and it is they're baptizing you once. You are in water once. They don't take you in water and you move out of the water altogether, come back into the water and move out of the water. You are standing in water. That, that, that example then, would not even be found in the Bible because with the Ethiopian and with Jesus himself when he was baptized by John, it was not, he was not dipped three times. He was not dipped seven times. It was a dipping of one time. And when he rose that one time, and then there was something that appeared like a, a dove came up and the voice came. One time there, Reverend. Where do these okay. things come from? Where do these three no. times and four times and seven times come from? I if your Bible that. example from your Christ says once. Naye, yes, to Reverend. be fair, bringing somebody from the AFM church to answer that question, because me, where I am, I do it once. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I do it once. But where I come from, they did three times. And I don't fault them. It's how they understand. Okay. And they were, when they were asked the question, they said, no, we don't walk out of the water. So it's still one, but this is how we understand the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is that what John did so, with Jesus there, uh, Reverend? Say that again, sir? Is that what John did when baptizing Jesus? I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe wait until you see him and ask him the question. Okay, let me take some voice notes for you, Reverend, and then we're going to conclude our conversation. I, pro I promise people to give them an opportunity for an open line, so I want to give you the opportunity to engage with what they have to say. Let's go to the voice notes. Go ahead. Good evening, Nye, and your guest there. You know, uh, Nye, your guest is correct when he says if you want to be a good person, you mustn't associate yourself with uh, political people. He is really spot on. Thank you. This is Cyclone Sugan from Montreal, Good evening, I can ask Reverend Meshwe. When he was preaching against Christians being politicians, was he not led by the Holy Spirit? Jiggy Jiggy, he believes it is not wrong to be a politician. He's still being led by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> can you just tell us, number two, the issue of association. Okay. The word of God says, do not be fooled. A bad company corrupts a good character. Again, Proverbs, walk with the wise, you shall be wise. A companion of fool suffers harm. How does, where does oh. he put himself in these two scriptures? in terms of him being a politician now. Okay. Mampero and Nimbopo. All right, Mampero. All right, uh, Reverend, you can respond briefly, please. Well, let me start with the second one. Uh, when, when I am uh, in politics, people need to understand that if you are a Christian, you will not find a company where everybody believes like you or is a, or is a, is a believer. Well, they want to know when you are at a job, place tonight. of work, of employment, where you are serving, you will serve and find people of different beliefs and so on. But where you make covenants or agreements or 
support a certain vision, a certain vision. Then you can choose. Like we have many Christian leaders who are in the ANC. Okay, I've never been in the ANC because when I looked at them, I looked at their policies and I looked at fighting and all this stuff. I said, hey. Forgive me for interrupting there, Reverend. I just need you to respond. Um, the, the, the voice note suggested that at some point you preached against po- Christians being in politics, and now the voice note suggests yeah. jiggy jiggy. Now, you're the, in a that no point. Yeah, that was the first question. That's Can't... why I said I want to start with the second one. Okay. Now the first one, uh, I was not. I was taught in the church. I grew up being taught that Christians should not be involved in politics. All right. But there came a time when my eyes opened to something I did not see in the same Bible. Do you know that with the Bible, something that makes the Bible so special is that you can read the same Bible or the same chapter every month. But then one day you discover something you have been reading, it's like you have been flying over it. Okay. Sometimes you then see something with a new meaning and understanding. Okay. Now, the Holy Spirit that opened the eyes of the people to certain truths, that particularly those truths that he wants you to apply in life. The, the question so there, Reverend, was the, the, the first time when you preached, was it the Holy Spirit? And the second time you preached something contrary to the first time, was it still the Holy Spirit leading you to preach? All right. Simple answer. I grew up being a, an obedient person, a person who did not want to preach against their church doctrine. Okay? I did that. The church doctrine was don't be involved, and I was not involved, or I was under authority. But now, when and I, in the beginning, I said, I, there came a time when I moved on. When I moved on, because I did not want to offend my authority, I did not want to contradict publicly the doctrine, okay? So I said, because of my eyes have been opened, what I'm seeing that I should be involved in politics because I don't want to contradict you publicly. I love you. I respect you. You're my leader. Allow me, please, to move on. And they allowed me to So it was not the Holy Spirit, Reverend. Is that what you're saying? It was I, just no, the I obedient you. In, uh, in the beginning. In oh, okay. The beginning, yes. All right. All right. I want to read. I was just obeying my. Reverend, my, my time is up, but I do wish to get some answers from people who have sent some tweets there. So I'm going to uh, apologize to my listeners. We're going to just stretch it a bit for three minutes for the Reverend to give these answers. One text reads, Naya, ask your guests about his thoughts regarding foreign nationals in South Africa. Briefly, Reverend. Foreign nationals that are legal should be allowed to live in South Africa. But those who are illegal should not be allowed to live in South Africa. They must sort out their papers before they can start living in the country. Did you get? Did you consult God on that position there, Reverend? Common sense. So God has nothing to do with it. It's just common sense. God gives common sense. My question is, is God giving you that common sense? Of course. Okay. God giving them that common sense. Okay, got it. Crow at Crow Cross Chris Sikila. Oh, hoping I'm reading that correctly. Reads, can we get his thoughts on the COVID-19 vaccine and in uh, the 2024 elections? Can we see a coalition government with parties like PAC, UDM, EFF, and others? Go ahead, Reverend. Well, COVID-19, my, my position is very well known. It's based on choice again. Choice. Because God gives people choices, governments must also give people choices. All right? Number one. Number two, when it comes
comes to the issue of um, coalition government, if a person truly wants to see his nation succeed, the needs of the communities met, and uh, that person uh, cannot or that party cannot rule on their own, then we need to talk to like-minded people, okay? Can we work together? What are, are, are going to be our uniting values? What do we agree on and what don't we agree on? Okay. Now, if, if, if you have a group of people who say we want to work together but allow us to, to, to disrespect people, to scream and shout and throw bottles, if you are not happy as other uh, officials, I can't uh, agree with that. So there are basic values that people need to agree to, to, to pursue in order for them to work nicely and uh, respectfully in a coalition. Sipelele Ivan Mbongwa at Ivan Mbongwa writes, please ask him, is he money-driven to be in politics or what, Reverend? The answer is a definite no. Whether When I went into politics, I had money. All right? I had money, and I still have money. Even when I'm out of politics, I will still have money. Many people who are just driven by money are stealers, they are thieves, they are corrupt, and so on. Because, I mean, not in politics for money, that's why I ensure that my hands remain clean. My final question, then we part ways there, Reverend. Uh, Samson believed throughout his time that God was with him up until he was deceived by Delilah. Telling me that perhaps there are times that people of faith think that they have God and yet God is not there. Is it possible that perhaps you think you're with God and yet God is not with you? You know, when a person deliberately sins against God, then you cannot expect God to be with you. When you deliberately—that is my personal opinion. When you when you obey Him, then you have the the, the belief and the knowledge that is with you. But when when the reverend can say, "I want to visit a brothel," huh? I want to visit a beer hall, a bean, and so on. And I bring, 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 and, and you don't start doing wrong things, then I believe God is still with me. When I'm doing those wrong things, no. Okay. A person, obviously, a person who sins against God has no basis to believe that God is still with him. All right. Well, I leave it right there. Reverend Misha, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate your insights. And we do hope. Thank you, Naya, for having me on your program. Yes, yes. We hope to have you even some more, Reverend. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. That is Reverend Kenneth Bisha, who's the leader of the ACDP, talking to us about his faith on our future faith of our leaders.